Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, live from Los Angeles. Coming up on NBA Today, the Lakers, they've lost three straight and desperately need LeBron back when that might happen. Plus, tonight, John Morant, he visits Madison Square Garden. Can he follow in the footsteps of some classic garden performances and... Stop me if you've heard this before. The Suns have won again. So our crew debates the most valuable Suns player. NBA Today starts right now. Welcome to NBA Today. I'm Malika Andrews, joined by two-time WNBA All-Star Chimay Agumake. We also have NBA champions Richard Jefferson and Kendrick Perkins with us. Ramona Shelburne, Dave McMenamin, and Mark Spears are all going to be joining us in just a little bit. But where should we start today, everybody? Valley of the Sun, Let's baby. head to the Valley, Valley because Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and the Suns were taking on Kyrie Irving and the visiting Nets. Let's pick this one up in the first quarter with the Nets down eight. Kyrie Irving here showing off his handles a little bit. Going through. Rapid kicks it out. Patty Mills. Oh, that's good. I mean, look at this once again. Reverse 360 in the middle of traffic, but still finds the green light in the shooter, Patty Mills. But, you know, I love how he's capable of distributing the ball, but that right there, that's signature James Harden step back three. Absolutely. But then we go the other direction. Maybe highlighting the right, guys, right? Like half time, beating the buzzer. We'll never quit on a possession. Icing on the kiss. This is the one that got me off my couch. I was kind of lazily watching this game, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh yeah, this is go time. And entering Tuesday, the Suns were 30 and 0 this season when leading after the third quarter. So let's head to the fourth here. Well, y'all, the, the theme of this highlight is passing because we've got the NBA lead leaguer in passes. And check that out. Nice, you know, off the hip bounce pass. That's textbook basketball. That's a no look and a great finish. It's nothing like running the floor, nor you go get the ball. Uh, speaking of which, uh, you know who knew to get the ball based on how he was shooting? Who was that? Devin Booker. Absolutely. <laughs> and then, turnover, Devin Booker. I suppose. Uh, I know that's not quite welcome the value, but welcome back, DeAndre Ayton. That looked pretty good. The Suns win it. Here's Chris Paul after the game. I think what helps us is we just have a complete team. The Phoenix Suns are scorching hot. 11 straight wins for the best team in the NBA through 50 games. That's a high-level team playing the best basketball in the league. A lot of momentum on their home court, great crowd. Every experience that they have as a team, they really show well tonight. And we're making great runs, but just like when you run against great teams in the city, they keep coming up. That's what they do. With our record and some of the attention that we're getting, I think we're getting everybody's best. That helps you grow if we have the mentality that we can play against anybody. Despite several key players being injured during the stretch, the Suns have won 11 straight games thanks to a league-best offense scoring almost 120 points per 100 possessions. Phoenix, 
they have also continued to dominate in clutch time with seven more such wins, while Chris Paul has averaged almost 12 assists per game, which is also a league high. So, as we've talked about before, the Suns are the only team in the NBA right now that have had two double-digit winning streaks. There was 18, remember, back in November, and then this current win streak of 11. But to me, when you look up and down the roster, mm-hmm. Phoenix seems... I want to say by far, but the Milwaukee Bucks are coming up behind them, but they seem like the most complete team in the NBA. But I do want to know who is the most valuable son, the MVS, if you will. And as much as I don't really want to, Richard, I'm going to start with you. Most valuable. Well, I, I think it's, uh, to me, I, I, I... Get it out. Say it. It's Chris Paul. It's Chris Paul. But this is this where the, the producer is going to get a little confusing. I misunderstood the assignment because they said <laughs> what, was surprise, going to be, what was going to be the most important hey, Kirk, going down the stretch. Yeah, as, ex- right, as so expected. Who is the most important? Thank you. Who is the most important <laughs> son? I think is DeAndre Ayton. And okay. the reason why I think it's DeAndre Ayton is because when you look at the teams and who they're going to have to play against if and who comes out the East, you could possibly have a Giannis. You can possibly have a Joel Embiid. You can possibly have high-level bigs that he's going to have to dominate. And when Giannis went for a 50-piece, and in the deciding game, mm. like, and I'm not saying this, that's all DeAndre's fault, but like, I think he's going to be the most key person when it comes down. Because we know Chris Paul, we know Devin Booker, we know Mikel Bridges, we know what those guys do. He is an X factor. Well, I think you're wrong. I uh, agree. We, we know Devin Booker, <laughs> we know Chris Paul, and we know DeAndre Ayton. But now we really know Mikael Bridges, one of the best two-way players in the game today. And when we look at him on the defensive end, the Phoenix Suns cannot get out of the Western Conference without having a guy like Mikael Bridges to actually guard guys like a Steph, a Clay, a Donovan Mitchell. All those guards that are in the Western Conference, they're going to need this man right here. And what he has done is he has elevated his game on the offensive end. So when you look at what he's done for us growing on, on that aspect, last year he was just a guy that was a spacer. Uh, you know, stand, shoot, stand, catch, yeah. and shoot, or one dribble pull-up. Now I'm seeing turnarounds in the lane, creating off the dribble, things to that nature. So I would have to say, although we already know about their big three, Mikael Bridges is sliding in and possibly making them, you know, a miniature four. And I think it's interesting, <laughs> a miniature mm-hmm. four, it's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's interesting because Mikael Bridges took that identity, especially after he guarded Steph Curry when Steph was on fire to start the season. And I'm like, oh, he is their defender. But we all know who the true answer is when it comes to valuable players. The one that really changed the trajectory of the franchise it's Chris Paul. And what he's been doing, you know, I think, you know, the, the answer could arguably be Devin Booker, but what has he done for Devin Booker? He's allowed him to not have pressure and be that ISO scorer when they need him the most. All right, what has he allowed DeAndre Ayton to be? Uh, you mentioned defense. I mean, DeAndre Ayton, he became himself by last year's playoff guarding AD, then the reigning MVP, Nikola Jokic, then um, obviously Giannis in the finals, and of course, switching out on the Clippers, you know, bigs. Chris Paul brings out the best in everyone in this scenario. And so we know the straightforward answer is Chris Paul. But the fact that we can say this person is valuable, this person is valuable, that's why they're top of the NBA rankings. Chris Paul, Mikael Bridges, who I know you tweeted about last night saying that he may have a case to make the all-star team, and DeAndre Ayton, 
nobody is going to take Devin Booker? Well, the reason, the reason being is because we know what Devin Booker is going to do. We know that he's a guy that could go out there and give you a 50-piece wing than a Cajun rub. We understand that. That's why I was trying to break down about CP3. We know who he is. We know what DeAndre Jordan is going to do double-double-wise. But do y'all agree with me? Because Richard brought this up yesterday on the show. About Stop the touching. Phoenix, I'm <laughs> touching me. But, uh, brought this up on the show about you know, hey, let's keep the same energy. Basically, about the Phoenix Suns being forty-one and nine. Yeah, they should be able to get three All Stars in. That's I, usually I, how it goes. I'm just saying that Devin Booker is the league's most efficient player in clutch time, sixty-seven percent from field goal. He's number one. Chris Paul is number four. So with three oh, people Chris, on the panel, Chris Paul's this panel, Devin Booker. I, there's no, there's no lack of Devin Booker yes. left here. We, we appreciate what he's able to do, but I do want to go on to the Nets here because five straight losses. That's their longest losing streak since March of 2020, and all of their losses are to Western teams. And then all of those teams are either in the playoffs or they're in the play-in tournament. And even though the Nets are losing, Kyrie, he, he's balling. Another 26 points last night. He scored at least 22 points in eight of the nine games he's played in this season. But after the loss, his focus it was on what. Could be with the big three. Man, so I hate that even have to answer that question, man. Uh, we think about it daily. You know, it's not something that um, is short-sighted for us. You know, we, we think about the long term and how well we gel together as a trio. And you know, I think James said it last year. It's not a lot of teams that could be out on the floor with us that can match up very well with us. That's just the confidence we have in one another and all three of us are healthy and we're playing at a high level. And we've only played a few games. You know, it's definitely on our wish list, man. And um, we just have to stay patient and just not lose that, that confidence that, you know, the, all the pieces will come together at the right time. So as complete as the Suns are, the Nets, they sort of seem to be the opposite. They seem to be a little bit incomplete, and that might be the word that best describes them. But they will most likely be without Kevin Durant until after the All-Star break. And we've asked all the questions, and it always sort of comes back to Kevin Durant. So if you three could put yourself in the locker room, how much does this five-game losing streak even matter? Because KD is eventually going to come back, Richard. I don't think it matters much, and I think mainly because it is the best play. He is either the best or second best player in the world. I don't <laughs> know where I'll go. I'm okay, you promise? If I could keep saying things like this, maybe yeah, he never comes that's back. Bad. No, no, it that's bad. That's because, bad. Because you can't you change. You can't, okay, we just talked about Chris Paul changing the trajectory of an organization True. because he is the best player. So once he comes, everything becomes exponentially Kevin, easier. Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant makes everything exponentially easier. When he was playing, where were they? They were one or two. He gets in. Doesn't matter if Kyrie's back. Doesn't matter what's happened with James Harden. When he was playing before his injury, the Nets were either number one or number two. Well, when Chris Paul sits out, guess what? Campaign fits right in because you know why they have culture. You know why the Nets lost their game. It wasn't because of the offense. They had enough offense. It's because when you watch down the stretch, they didn't have the chemistry on the defensive side of things. Which Maybe. they were improving at, at the early part of the season, but that's the wheels are falling. But they, Kyrie wasn't there, so this is the problem. Like you gotta have, you gotta be able to be tied on the string. That's why Phoenix pulled the point. Yeah, this is something to worry about. Like it's not somewhat; it's a big deal. 
It seems like it's a bigger deal. I know Richard's just done. Richard, Richard's just done. It seems like it's a bigger deal given the fact of what happened last year, given the fact they haven't sort of built up any time together that makes anyone feel like, okay, this is going to be a off your game, I'm not falling off my game. I, I, think it, I think it's silly to talk about the leading, score, the leading scorer yeah. in the league Second. sprained his MCL, sprained his MCL, and he's missed a bunch of time, and now their team has struggled. Look, they were struggling before he went out. What was their record? They were struggling. Where was what was they the record? were struggling before the top. Were struggling. They were losing games with Kevin Durant. Everyone has lost games. The Phoenix Suns aren't undefeated. I'm just the Phoenix Suns aren't undefeated. Talking about does not change the point. The Nets don't have that record. At the end of the day, if Kevin Durant is healthy, which he will be back in a matter of time, then that's when you start judging the threats. If you want to judge them based off the time that he was playing, there's this window he's not, and then he'll be back playing. This window, as much as it sucks... God bless America. Yeah, God bless America. Sure. The only thing about it, I think, again, is that folks haven't seen the Nets' big three be together. You don't need the big three. You need Kevin Durant. You need Kevin Durant to you be healthy. You don't need the big three. Well, he was healthy in the playoffs last year, and, and we'll what, see yeah? what happened. Yeah. Yeah. They lost they to lost. the Milwaukee Bucks. Yes. All right, still Ahead, showtime, it's turned into a bad time. So the latest on the struggling Lakers and when LeBron might be back to help. Plus, what a treat in Madison Square Garden. Rant at the Mecca. Should we expect a classic garden game from G12? And Bron and Ja won't be in the dunk contest this year, but we know who is, and our panel picks a winner. Stay tuned. Are y'all good, bro? I love y'all. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. There's one player I would go see. I would go to Memphis to see John Moran. He is the most entertaining player there is in the game of basketball right now. It wasn't difficult for me at all. Pretty light, honestly. Welcome back to NBA Today. So it's John Morant Day on ESPN. The Grizzlies are at the Knicks tonight right here on ESPN. That game's at 7.30 Eastern. So Jaw has the chance to have his MSG moment 13 years to the day after Kobe scored 61 at the world's most famous arena. So let's take a look back at some of the best games by opposing players at the Mecca. From the world's most famous arena. And the world's most famous arena. This is, uh, this is it. This is the mecca of basketball. Having a chance to play in the Master Square Garden. New York Knicks are the world champion. Number 23, Michael Jordan. He's just simply amazing. Oh, no. Michael Jordan double clutching on the reverse side of the board. Drive in for the left, gets chased into the corner, comes right back. Is a high for the NBA this season. 55 points by Michael Jordan. 
starting to get a little bit frustrated. Miller for three, and he got it. Pacers still need some help. Oh, he threw it away. Mecca basketball right here in New York City. MSG, Madison Square Garden. To Garnett, back to Kobe! Oh, Kobe Bryant! for human life! What a play from Kobe Bryant! Spins, puts it up, puts it in! 61, most points ever scored here at Madison Square Garden. I didn't see any uh, Richard Jefferson highlights there. But... It's been taking too long. We don't have we don't have all. Day. Oh yeah, all of your glory. Clubs. All right, but Richard, what makes Madison Square Garden such a special place to play for players? Well, a a as a kid, you grow up watching MSG. Your yeah. parents talk about it. You see the uh, you know the you see Muhammad Ali. You see all just everything about it, and it's the oldest arena. But secondly, my favorite part is that you know if you go in there and put on a show, not only will the Knicks fans appreciate that, but they will turn on their own team. Oh. They will turn on their own team so quick. So that's our goal. Not only do we want to come and dominate, but we also want to see your your fans turn against you. It's one of my favorite places 100%. to go and watch a game and sit yeah. there, feel the crowd. It is such a fun place to play. But it it does seem a little weird to me that we're talking about Madison Square Garden and we're talking about John Morant playing, and we don't have Kendrick Perkins here. So can, <sighs> can someone take me to the dark side, please? <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, oh God. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, you, there's been a 4.6. You know what it is. You know what it is. Look, I've been begging for a national televised game. He's on ESPN tonight. Our network in Madison Square Garden. History is made. We know Kobe dropped 61. James dropped 61. LeBron James, 52. My career high, 29 in the Madison Square Garden. The stage is set for G12. John Morant, look, John, it's your time to shine. National televised game, I just don't need you to fold like clean sheets tonight. I need you to deliver in great fashion. Part G12, you know, that's like G unit. We're a unit, so should we break down this game together? Oh, yeah, break it down. Well, you know, I love the dark side perk, but it is important to note that John's oh. having his way really because he's knocking down threes consistently at 35%. <laughs> Did okay. you say knocking down threes? We had somebody else on here yesterday said he couldn't shoot. Well, he can. Okay. Enough, to, enough for the defense to play him honest, and that allows him to get where he wants to go. And do you know where that is? It's not just the dark side, it's also the paint. Uh, thank you, Producer Schwartz. Right here, check out these numbers. Thanks to my favorite nerd, Producer Schwartz. At six foot three, Park. 
John Morant leads the NBA in paint points per game, dropping 16 a game. That is wild. But I will tell you this. This is a strength-on-strength matchup because the New York Knicks, they are one of the best teams at defending the paint. They're second in the league, actually, in that category. So basically, you know, Coach Thibs, no easy buckets. Better to, you know, show you this. So Romy might take producer Kwaku. Baby, let's go. All right, breaking down this strength for the Knicks defense, they're going to have their hands full with John Morant the same way that they have their hands full right here with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Perk, look at how loaded, look how loaded they are to the ball. That's no, still defense. 100%. I even like Kemba's battling down low, forcing the hardest shot to really get your coach to accept the fadeaway mid-range. Now let's talk about in transition. Luka Doncic, everyone knows he's a threat, but look at how this defense is already set up as we rotate. Two help defenders outside of the paint, taking a charge, the best play, you get the ball back. And last but not least, this is my favorite thing, please watch Evan Fournier. I'm number 13, I love number 13s. He's active. He could have give, gave up based on getting brush screened, but instead he fights to close out. And this is the Knicks defense. He stays active. And this is the next level analysis that you'll get. His defender is running away, but he stays knowing that he's got to be that help side defense. That's Knicks basketball. I know we talk about Julius Randle, their offense. The way that they really compete is through their defense. They will have their hands full thanks to uh, one Ja Morant, right? Yeah, but they ain't seen Ja O'Neal, <laughs> who leading the paint, leading the league. 29th career high? Yeah, Ja O'Neal. That's his name right now. <laughs> okay. yeah, that was my career high. Uh, any more on this, Malika? Thanks so much, Shanae. Yeah, for more on the Knicks, I'm joined <laughs> now by NBA senior writer Ramona Shelburne. And Ramona, we are eight days away from the trade deadline and we're going to have a three-hour NBA Today for you on Thursday, February 10th. So just a little small plug there. But Ramona, what are yep. the Knicks' plans as we approach the deadline here? Well, in, in recent days, you've been hearing a lot more about the Knicks in trade conversations because, quite frankly, they're one of the most disappointing teams in the league. I mean, if you just look at yep. what they did last year versus where they are now, kind of looking up at the play-in tournament right now, they need some help. And I think you've seen enough with this starting group to say it's not working. And it'll be really interesting to see what they do. A lot of the players they signed in the offseason, very manageable contracts. Evan Fournier is a name you hear out there. Yeah. Um, there's been some chatter about would they move Julius Randle. He's been un ineffective, obviously, this year compared to last year. Right. I don't know. That's a that's a that's a big step to take right, for, for a guy that you thought was maybe a franchise player. Kemba Walker obviously hasn't fit into that rotation. So you'll see, you're going to hear the Knicks a lot as we approach the deadline. Well, the Knicks, though, they already made a trade this season yeah. for Cam Reddish, but he's only averaging seven minutes of playing Ooh. time. So why do you think that's the case? It's, it's odd, isn't it? You go out and trade for a guy like Cam Reddish, and the idea is you want to play him and see what you got. So former first-round pick. And I think this is where... You want, you know, this is Tom Thibodeau saying, you wanting to reward the guys who practice and who do well in practice. And he came in with an ankle injury, obviously hasn't been able to establish himself and earn those minutes yet. And he's bringing him along slowly. But they went out and traded for Cam Reddish because they want to see what he can do. Mm. And so you wonder if there is a, a bit of a dysfunction going on between what the front office is doing and what Thibodeau's doing on the court. You've seen it earlier in the season with Kemba Walker, who was a big addition for them, and Tibbs benched him. Now you're seeing it with Cam Reddish. Let's see how long this goes on. Where Reddish is just, he's played three games. Interesting. And as five you minutes, said, ten minutes, five minutes. Right. And he's the, the Knicks are expected to be active as we head up towards the mm -hmm. trade deadline. February 10th. Again, we have that three-hour show where we're going to be all over every trade that is made in the NBA. Ramona Shelburne, thank you so much. Please come back Thanks. to talk some Ben Simmons. And you can see it all tonight. The Grizzlies at the Knicks, 7:30 Eastern, right here on ESPN, followed by the Nuggets against the Jazz. NBA countdown gets it all started at 7 o'clock Eastern.
Still ahead on NBA Today, the Lakers, they are struggling to say the least. So what do Park Richard and Shanae say that they can do to right the ship in L.A.? And we've officially got the jam band that will be competing near the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The dunk contest previewed, that is coming up next. Plus, what has Ben Simmons been up to? Ramona Shelburne has reporting on how Simmons has kept busy amidst a sticky situation. So, yeah, of course it is a level of frustration, for sure. Can't even, like, sit here and say that we should be this or we should be that. Our record is who we are. Championship team, it's not us right now. I said victory is all we ever wanted. A little history is all we ever needed. We will not go backward. This was not the Lakers' night. They are still very much a work in progress. It's the same question every game, every time we lose. It's like, hey, how long do you think it's going to take? We don't know. Welcome back to NBA Today. So the Lakers, they've lost three in a row. So let's go by the numbers because this is L.A.'s fourth three-game losing streak this season. That's tied for the most by any team currently in a playoff or play-in spot. So one bright spot, though, has been Russell Westbrook. He's shooting 50% or better from the field in five straight games. And remember, he took a lot of flack early on, but that's tied for the second longest streak of his career after that awkward start. And LeBron... Missing all three losses, the Lakers have dropped to 5-10 and ten without him this season. So L.A. is currently ninth in the Western Conference. So for more on LeBron James, we're joined by our Lakers reporter Dave McMenamin. Hey, Dave, so shoot-around just wrapped up about an hour ago. So what's the latest on LeBron's status? This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Yeah, Malika, in the practice facility earlier today, LeBron wasn't here. He continues to do treatment options away from the team. Frank Vogel said he's a special type of player, and so we trust him to take care of his body away from our resources. But he's listed as doubtful for tonight's game. The expectation is that he'll miss his fourth straight game because of the swelling in his left knee, and he's not going to play again until that swelling subsides. The Lakers are sticking by that plan. They believe if he plays with the swelling in there, he could be at risk of further injuring himself. I'm told from a source close to LeBron, they are exploring all options when it comes to treatment, except they have ruled out the possibility of PRP. He will not be going with PRP as part of his ramp up to try to get back onto the court. All right, so they are looking to have that swelling reduced before we're going to see him on the floor. Dave McMenamin, thank you so much. The Lakers, they're back at it tonight against the Trailblazers. But for more on this, I do want to bring it in with the entire panel, Cheney, Perk, and Richard. And Cheney, I'm going to start with you here. If you were the Lakers head coach for a day, and that day is today, what do you know now that you would be doing without LeBron? 
Well, I think it's a good sign that Anthony Davis is putting up numbers and he's feeling more confident in his game. But I do want to mention something off of Dave's report. You know, PRP, people are maybe not versed with that, what that is. That's to reduce inflammation in your knee. And so people think, all right, if you do this and then you take some time, that reduces inflammation. I always like to help people understand things. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, if I'm Coach Vogel, I'm literally just saying we need to empower AD, no matter win or losses, to play his best basketball. Because when we have LeBron James back, AD and LeBron, they're, they're the reasons why they're going to compete. I love rest shooting the ball better, but you can't say that that is the sole reason why you're going to win. You're going to take a dose of 2020 and say when AD plays his best version of basketball and also knocks down threes more confidently, that's what you want. You want him to assume the assignment of, all right, I have to get my game back to a top level where we can compete for a championship. If I'm Frank Vogel, I would actually go watch film on the Boston Celtics. They've been playing some good basketball. And I would move Russell Westbrook into a Marcus Smart role Marcus Smart has been the point guard and facilitator. That's why you have watched Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum play so well together. I would have my offense ran through Malik Monk mm. and Anthony Davis. I would have Russell Westbrook as a facilitator. If I was the Laker coach for the day, oh, that's a tough one. That, that's a tough one. But I'm going to say this. I think Frank Vogel is doing a pretty good job. There is nothing that I'm going to say that's going to, like, he knows what he's doing. He's won a championship. He's yep. been to the conference finals. This man has done everything that you can accomplish as a coach. So there's nothing that I could say because I just think that they're in a tough spot. He needs his players to play well. They've got, what, four, three, three top 75 players? Yeah. Right? They need them to play well. That's I think, it. I think the one caveat here is just that, you know, there were times when players were coming back, like Malink Buck was you know, killing it, and then now his minutes are getting smaller based on trying to fit other guys in the rotation based on our right, acumen, reputation, you know, just trying to make people feel good. you got to go with who's playing well. He And he is. And he is. Uh, he is, rightfully so, but I think that's where you build that culture of you're playing well, you're understanding the assignments, you're willing to make these tough decisions to build that culture so that when LeBron comes back, people have something to hold on to. Well, this panel, when we were talking about the Lakers just a couple of weeks ago, the, the discussion was, okay, when Anthony Davis comes back, that's not necessarily the Calvary that's going to save this team. But watching his play over the last couple of games, how would you evaluate that, Shanae? I'm really impressed. You know, I think the conversation, we always want to say, like, put Giannis or Joel Embiid or always compare him to what other people are doing. But largely, Joel Embiid has been healthy. Giannis has been very resilient. AD, his story and his path, it's completely different. And so I think as the season progresses, we should see his game progress. And that's the standard that I'm holding him to. As athletes, we know what that's like. You can't just come out there like, what is it, instant oatmeal, popcorn, <laughs> and just bam. Like, we see great returns. We're patient with Clay. We might have to be all patient. I, all I want to know is where to categorize a player so that I can maintain my expectations for said player. So if we're not going to put Anthony Davis in that category, then he's in the next tier of players and then we can kind of temper our expectations because I still believe that Anthony Davis can he's be the category. best player. Okay, I think he could be the best player on a high-level championship caliber team. And he's got to do that and he's got to do it consistently. Well, he showed us that already. That's why they won the championship. But I think since he's been back, He's been playing with a certain type of passion. Agreed. Mm -hmm. He's been aggressive. He's been, you know, that battle with him and them beat. He actually won Whoa. that battle. He did. But they lost the game. And, but, but AD did his thing. He was like, no, 
You could mention them, B, you're going to mention me. But see, that's what you hold on to, those moments, those battles, and that's the culture that you need to bring back because this is one of the better defensive teams typically under Coach Vogel, and so I would say that's their identity. And then AD, obviously, was a key piece for them winning. Not to mention he's been one of the top clutch players in the league this year, even with the time he's missed. All right, we still have some more coming up on NBA Today. Still ahead, it's official. We've got the four participants that will be flying high in Cleveland like that note I just hit. Yes. Full preview coming up. <laughs> Nails it. Welcome back to NBA Today. So do you know who was in the zone brought to you by AutoZone? Obi Toppin, Jalen Green, Juan Toscano Anderson, and Cole Anthony. They are the competitors in this year's slam dunk contest. So let's take a look at their best dunks of the season. You're about to bear witness to one of the most spectacular events in professional basketball, the slam dunk contest. The outlet to Green. Look at Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Shout to the manager, man. Let's go. All right, that's the list, and Obi Toppin was obviously in it last year. He went to the finals, didn't win it, but we've got three, three, that's three, three fresh new faces competing in Cleveland who you can see coming out victorious. Richard Jefferson, I'll start with you. Okay, so my number one guy that I think is going to win, first of all, shout out my guy Cole Anthony, Naila, he gets it. Then, But Green, Green is my number one. I think he's going to win. Toppin is my second. He's number two. Okay. I'm going with Obi Toppin as my number one. I feel like I have a special place in my heart for big men that are in the dunk contest. Just big men, period. He's a big man. He's like man, period, but He's a medium man. I, I think he's going to show. He's going to show up and show out. And then next, I'm going with Jalen Green. I got to represent for the H Town yes. Texas boy to the to the depth of me. So I'm going with Obi Toppin. Period. Even though he said Obi Toppin, I'm going with Jalen Green, <laughs> just because I think there's going to be added motivation for Jalen Green. Think about it. Like, rookie of the year. Who is the conversation? Evan Mobley. Evan Kate Mobley. Cade is coming on Kate high. Ballin. But Ballin. I think Jalen's going to look like the Rockets. They've been irrelevant-ish since their cute little win streak. This is going to be a moment for the future cute. of the franchise. <laughs> so no one's taking As Juan Descano? Well, the Bay girl is. No one's taking area. Juan Descano. All right. This is from the Bay. I believe up. in you, Juan Descano. You can do this. I'm excited to see it play. Uh, yeah, but Jalen Green is so athletic. No, you know what? I'm not. I'm you're not even going to. So you're it. taking one. Sure. Why not? Okay. Uh, oh, <laughs> was, he said, sure. That, why not? That That's a real sell. Hey, listen. Sorry, Juan. I thought, oh Juan, yes. Bring it back. Bring it back. Juan, you can't. Let's go. Here. Let's go. Yeah, I had a clean fade. Look, it was a damn Reeboks I was rocking. Time ago. Look, man, that's beautiful. It's completely faded. Woo-wee. Ladies and gentlemen, and you know what's crazy about this kid? He accomplished nothing in his life. That's that's what you got to pay attention to. It's all right. You're still here. The hair may not be, but it's all okay. All right. Still to come on NBA Today, we've got the top of the top. What Giannis did last night to the Wizards is must-see, so do not miss that. Stay tuned. It's winter, Richard. What are you talking about, man? I'm trying to up our The 1975 NBA Finals featured the Al Addles-led Warriors versus the Casey Jones-led Washington Bullets, marking the first championship in American major professional sports history to feature two black coaches, led by Hall of Famer Rick Barry, 
the Warriors swept Elvin Hayes and the Bullets four games to none, the team's last title until 2015. So of course this is an NBA show, but there are sometimes stories that transcend leagues. So we're going to go over to the NFL. Brian Flores, the former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, is suing the NFL, the Dolphins, the Broncos, and the Giants and alleging racial discrimination and unethical hiring practices. And the NFL instituted the Rooney Rule in 2003, which was intended to try to increase the number of minority coaches. But since then, of the 127 head coaching vacancies, only 27 have been filled by minorities. That's according to the Associated Press. And currently, there's only one black head coach in the NFL, Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Flores joined our Mike Greenberg this morning on Get Up. Here is, in part, what he said. Why did you feel you needed to do this? Because we need change. That was, that was, that was the number one reason. Um, and I know there's, there's a sacrifice, there's risk to that, but... Um, at the end of the day, um, we need change. We need change. Um, I, I know many very capable um, black coaches, um, some of my staff who I know um, if given an opportunity or when given an opportunity are going to go and do a great job on their interview. Um, and I would just hate for that uh, to, be a, to be a waste. Uh, and I think, you know, we need to change the hearts and minds of of the people making those decisions. That's why we're, that's why, you know, we filed the lawsuit. I now want to bring our senior writer for the undefeated, Mark Spears. And Mark, you've written extensively about the NBA's diversity, or in some cases, the lack thereof in coaching ranks and in front offices. But for our viewers, can you walk us through what is the league's recent history when it comes to hiring black head coaches and general managers in the NBA? Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Well, in 2016, things needed to be shaken up. And I actually talked to two NBA execs, um, Mark Tatum and Aura Stewart, who vowed that they were going to have a uh, change in the NBA, that they were going to get more coaches and more general managers that were black in a predominantly black league. But, you know, in 2020, uh, things certainly hit ahead in terms of the general manager executive process when the Bulls hadn't interviewed any uh, blacks for their president position and ended up hiring our, our tourist Karnishibis. Uh, they eventually did hire a black general manager in Mark Eversley, but that sparked some things uh, with teams from a, a black GM standpoint. And then last season, almost a year ago to today, uh, you remember when Ryan Saunders was fired uh, as head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves, and they did not promote an African-American associate head coach in, in David Vanderpool. Mm. Within hours, they hired Chris Finch, who is currently the head coach there. And that, I think, set up huge alarms. But since then, things have changed dramatically for, for the NBA in a good way.
Yeah, they have. And we have seen more and more black and brown head coaches being hired to the point that now over half of the head coaches in the NBA are people of color and several of them are black head coaches. But it hasn't always been that way. Our friend Scott yeah. Cassiola had a story I remember in The New York Times. It was a couple of months ago. And, and Willie Green said, quote, if this was 15 years ago, we, we probably wouldn't get those positions is what he said. So what exactly has changed? Well, last offseason, they had eight positions that were open and uh, seven uh, were given to uh, African-American head coaches, which is uh, well, certainly, I think, surprising for those guys and great. And, and all of those coaches were certainly uh, deserving and uh, had paid their dues, some of them more than 15 years. So and, you know, two years ago, James Jones and Monty Williams were the only black head coach duo in the league. Now there are seven such duos. Mm. So, uh, you know, I think it's getting much, much better in that regard. Uh, with Alvin Gentry being named the interim head coach of the Kings during this season, now it's tipped over to 16 coaches of color out of 30, if you consider, you know, James Borrego, Charlotte, and Eric Spolstra of Miami. So, yeah, the NBA has certainly uh, made some dramatic change in about a year and a half span. But... You know, it took the Vanderpools, it took the Bulls situation to, I think, force teams to wake up. And it's not just on the NBA, it's it's on the teams, really, yeah. more so in the owners. Yeah, so 13 black head coaches, one black interim head coach, and then also two head coaches of color. So this was all, though, in the past year, Mark. What still yeah. needs to change in the NBA? Well, I, I think they don't need to rest. And... I also hear from the general manager world uh, uh, that some of these GM jobs may be a little smoke and mirrors. You have guys that are named general manager and title, but really aren't the general manager. You know, where there's only one black president in the NBA uh, basketball operations in Masai Ujiri. But, you know, respectfully, there's general managers in San Antonio, in New Orleans, in Philly, you know, in Chicago, who are in name the general managers, but they have people above them that are actually making the bigger decisions. So uh, that's not to undermine what they're doing, but I think people need to know that what that general manager title really is and how it differs in different places. Absolutely. And Masai Ujiri has spoken extensively about the fact that he believes that there needs to be more representation in those higher up jobs so that the decision making, not just the folks who are executing the decisions that have been made, are also reflective of a league that is over 70 percent African-American. Mark Spears, thank you so much for joining us here on NBA Today. For more on the Brian Flores lawsuit, stay tuned for NFL Live. That's coming up at the top of the hour. When we return in just 60 seconds, Ramona Shelburne has the latest on Ben Simmons, how he's stayed busy, and what's next in the saga. Keep it locked on NBA Today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C 
D. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Welcome back to NBA Today. So we don't have a lot of time left in the show, but we do have three hours next Thursday, February 10th, for our trade deadline special, 1 to 4 o'clock Eastern. That's going to be right here on ESPN. And Ramona Shelburne will be with us for the trade deadline, and we will certainly be talking a lot about Ben Simmons then. But, Ramona, yesterday you dropped a piece on ESPN.com, and it's some of the most comprehensive reporting I've seen in the entire Ben Mm -hmm. Simmons saga. And... It's impossible to boil it down in this format, but the crux for our viewers is essentially the plan for Ben Simmons moving forward. What is that plan? I don't think there is one. (laughs) And that might be the problem, right? Yeah. Because every night around 10 o'clock, he gets a schedule for what the team's doing that day. He shows up because it's almost like you have to check in. Okay, check in. But the, the sense is he's a distraction at this point. The team is game out of first. They're doing well. He's not, he said he's not going to play there. He's not mentally ready to play there. And, the, the, what's the point of having him go through a shoot-around or a film session or a practice? He's not going to. And so there's not really a plan to get him back on the court with the Sixers. They say they're open to it, but what are they – What do they want him back? Do they actually – Is because if they do, there's no plan for him to actually get back. Mm. And on Ben's side, he's been pretty consistent in saying he didn't want to play for Philly. Right. And he's not mentally ready to get back on the court at all to work his way back through practice or shoot around or however you would do it. And so there is no plan to get him back on the court. And so what are we doing here? Right. To me, when I was reading this, some of the interesting stuff was also in all of the behind the scenes, what Ben Simmons was doing and what it took to actually get him back into the 76ers Mm -hmm. gym. What was most revealing to you as you were working through reporting this piece? Yeah, I mean, I I remember when he showed up at the Sixers facility. Remember before the last preseason game? And I think for him, that was seen as a big step. That was a big grand gesture of good faith. Okay, I'm showing up. And and multiple people on both sides have told me they thought the door was open for him to come back at that point. But he felt really surprised or burned or upset that he showed up, he made it to the game, and he was still being fined for that game. He didn't get, you know, he got fined for that. And it was, you know, when you build something up in your head and it's, it's a big deal for you to get on the plane, show up and go back to the market, and then it's not necessarily appreciated. It's not like, oh, okay, he's back. Um, I think that was that was not getting that off on the right foot. And I also, you know, that was just the extent, Malik, of like what he's been doing for the past few months, going to gyms all over Philly, organizing his own runs of five-on-fives. Like, that's a lot of extra work. Yeah. When you could just go to the facility, work out with the trainers, et cetera. But he feels that uncomfortable being even in the building to the point where now that he is back in the building training, you know, at night sometimes he goes there after hours. Sometimes he's there while they're playing games. I mean, just it's 20 minutes away. You've been to Philly. Yeah, it's a whole lot. And it's, it's not that we're going to continue to monitor because mm-hmm. all of that background, I just found it so fascinating. Please go and check out Ramona Shelburne's piece on ESPN.com. Ramona, thank you so Thanks. much for hanging with us on NBA Today. So Ben Simmons, he's kind of been the top drama of the NBA season. So that means, I guess now, it's time for us to take a look at the top of the top from Tuesday night with Richard Jefferson, Chanae, and Kendrick Perkins. So before we go, 
let's make sure we take a look. Top posters is where we're going to start. Ooh. And I think we need to start in Chicago because DeMar DeRozan, Woo. he went up and, oh my gosh, this was a crime. Oh, let me see this. Oh! Ooh. MVP candidate perk? Off the curl. MVP candidate perk? I'm not answering it. Oh, okay. Well, only that's job. Yeah, you're, literally, your job is to answer that question. Yeah, no, it's literally. Not, not from you. His oh, that's job. fair. That's, that's that fair, question. but yeah. <laughs> okay, we got OG. Show him, OG. Oh, oh. in extension. Oh, that's hard. It looked like Ooh. Tom Chambers over Mark Jackson. The Toronto Raptors <laughs> have been quietly balling. Ooh. Red Van Vliet yes. and Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr. Hey. has been absolutely. Fred, I love you, man. I think you're. I, I think you're gonna get in. Right, we're Toronto gonna be the last one right in, though, no, Fred. All right, let's go to top comeback because last night in San Antonio, the Warriors balled out. They go, they rallied from down. 17, oh, and they were cookie. without Steph, Clay, Drake. They were without eight players last night. My goodness. Uh, I'm telling you, Moses Moody, Moody, Moses Moody. He was ball here. Hey. He, hey. he was on if the Warriors wasn't so deep, those two guys, if they, don't, if they were on another team, they would really be getting some. This is why you should be quality. afraid. Oh, and look how much Steph Curry loves it. All right, let's go to top performance. So most dominant the Greek player in the Greek NBA. was it's showing out. Giannis dominated. What is with me in the, these notes? I, I don't know. We don't <laughs> understand. These notes are pretty crazy. Not but a so man. is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Leave that grown man alone. Beefy. Bobby, Bobby. Uh, no, no, we're not doing that right now. This is about Giannis. Blocking oh, yeah. shots, throwing his whole body out there. Oh. Come on, man. How you want it? It's him, it's Embiid, it's no. Jokic. No, it's, it's those three. As long as we're doing top of the top, can I just say, I, I wish we had a graphic for it, because top button, my goodness, what has been happening? I've been throwing it, man. Our viewership oh, is they, up. Hey, my viewership is up. It is, and we the appreciate you, you all watching. NFL Live is coming up next. Richard Button. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.